You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. A pair of hot-blown boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Bonnie and Ben. Dolls that will talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to December, and welcome back to TPC this Saturday night, the 12th month, second day, 2023. Here we are. Merry Christmas, everybody. We can't say it enough this month, and it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. James Edwards and Keith Alexander here with you tonight. We've got a great show for you, as I like to think we always do. Coming up this evening, our featured guest is going to be Taylor Young, uh, publisher uh, editor at Antelope Hill Publishing. He's going to be uh, coming on to talk about a book they have out called The Sword of Christ. Very interesting book. I asked Taylor, I think uh, as early as September or October, if he could join us in December to talk about this book, The Sword of Christ, as Christmas uh, gets uh, approaching its full tilt. Keith, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. You I got did, some Christmas lights today, I heard. I did. I went out. I tried to buy some cheap ones at Dollar Tree, but they were just too small. <laughs> so I had to go to Walmart and get a big set of them. And uh, I'm ready to, you know, uh, knuckle down tomorrow, you know, put on my uh, combat helmet and get everything done uh, all in one fell swoop. Hopefully by Sunday evening, I'll be totally decorated. I hear you. I hear you. Well, we're still working on it uh, ourselves. Got started on Thanksgiving night. It's always a work in progress. Now, you do the 12-day Christmas thing. You keep everything up till about mid-January? or uh, No, January the 6th. Okay. That's uh, Epiphany. That's, right. That's the beginning of Epiphany. Christmas is not a day. It's a season in liturgical churches like... Um, you know, well, in society as well, they start celebrating it in October now, or at least the, the retail, <laughs> the retail <laughs> yeah, stores right, do. Yeah, no one has a longer Christmas season <laughs> than the retail stores. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, as much as they like to profit from it, uh, they are in war against it. Our media, our government, uh, certainly the Chamber of Commerce. The war on Christmas uh, is heating up again as the temperatures cool this Nove uh, December. And now that the calendar has turned to December, uh, we'll be fighting back on the behalf on the behalf of the faith of our fathers, conservatives, of course, keep the cry this as um, this war as an attack on Christianity, which it is, but it's a lot more than that. It's an attack on white people. Christianity is under constant assault because it's the religion that nearly every white person used to identify with, and the majority who claim a religion still do. Uh, Christmas is under assault because white people are under assault. That's just uh, the beginning of it. It's it at really the end an of assault it. against traditional uh, white 
mores and uh, customs. It's um, it's why manger scenes are banned on government property, but you can find a menorah, a really big one at the White House just about every year and across other government uh, plazas as well. It's the same reason you can't even mention the Bible in public schools, but there are public and charter schools all over the country teaching Islam and the ridiculous Kwanzaa. Those religions are fine, of course, because they're non-white. Now, we're almost to the point where white people have no holidays at all. We talk about this every year. Washington's birthday can't last much longer because George Washington and all the uh, other early presidents were slave owners, and just uh, up until JFK, about every president was an unabashed racist, uh, to use their word. Columbus Day, well, you know, we talk about that every October, of course. Every year it's announced more and more as a day that honors a genocidal monster. Independence Day, why should we celebrate a country that enslaved blacks and massacred the Indians? Where segregation was legal until the 1960s and homosexual marriage was outlawed until just a few years ago. Thanksgiving, we just got through that. Uh, Not only is it associated with Christianity, which is increasingly seen as evil, but it also celebrates the early white settlers who went on to genocide the Indians and enslaved blacks. That's the only thing they want you to know about our people of course in our history memorial day and veterans day honor those evil haters who fought for the genocidal nation and died in the name of slavery segregation and homophobia what we need to understand james is that this is not just an effort to knock white people off of the pinnacle of western society that was accomplished long ago what this is is not pro-black it's not pro-islamic it's not uh pro-Indian or any other racial group or any other uh, religious group. It is anti-white and anti-Christian. I, you know, really the only holidays that they want us to observe are, what, Cinco de Mayo, Martin Luther King Day, of course, Juneteenth now, Harvey Milk Day, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Hanukkah, Holocaust Awareness Day. Those are, those are the big ones. But... Um, you know, the people who are always attacking public Christmas displays, any any expression of Christianity in the public square and any reference to this, uh, this nation's Christian heritage, they also hate everything that decent Americans believe in. This is what conservatives don't get. They're the same people who want to take away your guns, NRA members. They're, they're, they're the same crowd who refer to Christmas uh, Christian groups, rather, like focus on the family and the American Family Association as hate mongers. Uh, and rest assured that if you hold any conservative views whatsoever on any topic, that they hate you. They hate you, too. And as even, much as us, they hate religious bigots, which is, you know, evangelicals, just as much as they hate racist bigots, conservatives. Our fight is your fight. Your fight is our And you'd better wake up to that fact and come join the battle before it's too late. Because I tell you, voting harder for these Republicans like Mike Johnson, God help us. Now, unfortunately, uh, a lot of Southern fundamentalists have fallen for this Jewish dispensationalism. That's the topic of the second hour, by the way. This book, The Sword of Christ, which has a foreword written by Kevin McDonald, which I thought was incredibly interesting. And what he wrote about the Christian faith, everybody's going to want to hear this. I think especially coming from Kevin. But go ahead. Well, they, they are basically interested in not just replacing us at the top of society. They want us not to the very bottom. They want us to be the new slaves. Uh, and what is really dismaying too is that they have captured commercial establishments like you know coca-cola disney any of these things they have fallen and succumbed to larry fink of blackrock and there's another group called state street and whatnot holding companies that basically make these companies toe the line on woke political positions and if they don't they go after them. Well, see, what we need to do is have our own boycott of companies. Like, for example, I will not buy Coke products anymore because of Coke's position on, you know, a whole variety of 
social and political issues. That's what we need. I will not watch any new Disney stuff. Everything that I watch with Disney is pre-1966. You know, they had some really good cartoons called The Silly Symphonies. Do you remember those? Yes. I mean, these were great. I mean, and it wasn't just Disney characters. It was Disney artists. These were Disney, you know, productions. But it was, you know, The Three Little Pigs, all these classic European fairy tales. I've been watching those with my kids lately. I mean, it's fantastic stuff. Yeah, see, everything. See, that's what I did with my kids. The Pied kids. Piper of Hamelin. All, you know, they... my, my youngest kids are in their 30s now. But what happened when I was raising them, I did not let them watch the what was then current Disney fair because Disney had already gone woke. Uh, we didn't have the word woke at that point, but that's where they had gone. So, I basically cut them off at 1966, the year that Walt Disney died. <laughs> and really, the best Disney stuff is from there. And we need to make our children aware of all of that. Let them watch Snow White, Pinocchio, Dumbo. I think they're remaking Snow White and everybody's black. but <laughs> Snow White, uh, cold black rather than uh, Snow White. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, Ann Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. The holly put up the tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up the stocking. I may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. For we need a Christmas right this very minute. Cows in the window, cows at the spinning. Yes, we need a Right this very minute, it hasn't snowed a single furry, but Santa, dear, we're in a hurry, so climb down the chimney, turn on the brightest tree, come on, climb the scene, 
We're going to help you get into the spirit of the season, ladies and gentlemen, all culminating up that last hour, our third hour, and the final Saturday before Christmas when Pastor Brett McAtee will bring us the biblical accounting of the birth of Christ. We're going to have a lot of fun between now and then as well here on TPC, as we always do throughout the year, especially this time of year, Keith. And we've got several more shows before Christmas. You know, Christmas this year is Monday. So we will have the right. Saturday show right before Christmas. It's going to be wonderful. And again, tonight uh, we have a guest uh, that uh, we were holding off on until we got to December with this particular book and this particular message, Masculine Christianity. Uh, that's what we'll be talking about tonight. Rather Fantastic than emasculated, book. Rather than emasculated <laughs> yeah, Christianity. That's right. Well, uh, if you had stronger men, the kind of men that we used to have, uh, it'd be hard to imagine things being any worse than they are right here in memphis memphis has made a string of national headlines recently across the country and for all the wrong reasons and this is an astonishing statistic that i'm about to read to you ladies and gentlemen i had to look it up because i could not believe it uh but i did verify it the population of the city of memphis and surrounding areas presumably uh, the metro well i think the metropolitan area is actually over a million but we had, I think at its peak, 650,000. Right here, yeah. Now? It says right now the population of Memphis is uh, the city of Memphis itself, Memphis proper, not the, the suburbs, 628,127. So 628,000 people live in Memphis. Right. The city of New York, New York City, 8.4 million, 8 Point four million so people, almost sixteen thousand, sixteen times. Eight point four million people live in New York City. Fifteen times as much population. Six hundred twenty-eight thousand in Memphis, and Memphis has had more homicides this year than New York City. That is incredible. And you say, well, okay, I believe what the government statistics are about crime and race you know you've got a majority black population in memphis all of these agencies when you break down crimes by race particularly violent crimes particularly gun crimes uh you know you've got you got a problem in memphis but you know there are a lot of minorities surely there's got to be more minorities in new york just because it's so much bigger it might not be a bigger percentage of the population but surely there's got to be more there than here and yet still we outpace them look there's got to be a reason for this. Let's try to figure it out. Let's unwind on this ball of uh, twine. But we, we, we know what's going on, and then nobody needs it explained to them. But what's interesting is, wasn't it the black police chief of the city of Memphis who said recently that if you had the United States Army in Memphis, you could not curb murders? Well, what they're shut What did he say exactly? Was That was pretty no, close. I think that's exactly what uh, she said, not a Oh, it's, by the way. Excuse, yeah. it's a black woman. Yeah, you've got to have a black woman as your police chief or else you're not with it okay, in America but, today. But, and then look what's going on in Memphis. Right. Well, see, that's because we have a vast majority black political class in Memphis. All the elected offices just about are, on, are you know, lock, stock, and barrel owned by blacks. I know that they are the majority in every legislative group. So consequently, the only real explanation you can come for this is that these people, these black politicians, are not up to the task of managing the Well, city. I mean, so what's the, what's the solution? I mean, is it just that they're not enforcing crime? I mean, surely, I know, listen, I know, I know people who go to my church and they say, 
My car got stolen. I called the police. This is a true story. This is an exaggeration. You think I'm going to get to a punchline? Car got stolen. Called the police. They said, "Listen, there's just too much of that. We can't even begin to, you know, worry ourselves with a crime that petty." Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I think you know if you get shot, if you get murdered, they come within an hour or two. But I mean, is it just that they're not policing, or these people just going in and out a revolving door in the in the in the prison system? I mean, how is Memphis, a town so relatively small compared to New York, outpacing them in homicides and murders? Well. In two words, black uh, political domination. Okay, but what's the answer? I mean, but what are they do? What are they doing? What they're doing is they're not enforcing the law. They are well. Surely they got to arrest people that are shooting, or do they not? Well, they arrest people, but they don't keep them in jail very long. Okay, <laughs> they manage to get out. We have a George Soros uh, uh, backed DA, district attorney in Memphis. What you need to do, basically, is what I've mentioned several times on our show before. The state legislature of Tennessee needs to tell Memphis, we're revoking your charter. You no longer have an independent city because you've proven that you are incapable of governing it according to first world standards. So that happening, what would they do? They basically would say everybody that works for the city of Memphis now has a pink slip, okay? You, you've been fired, okay? And we're going to run the whole thing out of Nashville. We're going to elect all the police. We're going to elect people to run the police department, the sanitation department, everything else. But, you know, and, and, you, but you know what? And of course, they would go berserk about that, but that's really the only way to. What we have in Memphis is a result of black political leadership in right. Memphis. But you, do you remember uh, in the summer of St. George, the summer of St. Floyd, when all of the majority of black cities were talking about just abolishing the police entirely, this got, it, it, it didn't get implemented, but it got off the ground more than just an abstract theory. The idea was to do the same here in Memphis. This was in the papers. This made national news. And you would have like these uh, community, I don't want to say tribunal because you think that there's going to be some harsh punishment, but you'd have these community courts uh, at the local the local level. Well, here's what happened. Well, but what they were going to do was, if Jamarcus, you know, does a, does a, does an armed robbery, you, you don't you don't even think about sending him to jail. You just say, you know what, you don't. It's we're not really put nice. Time out. That's, yeah, he had a, he the actual solution that they were batting around is to cut down crime. If somebody you know wanted to do a smash and grab or a uh, a stick up. You, you have him in, and he writes an apology letter, and then he gets counseled on why it's not nice to uh, have you know participate in armed robbery. That, that was their, that's what they were pitching as recently as just a couple well, of years see, ago. That, that comes from the old uh, Black Panther thing about we have too many black men in jail nowadays. Well, guess what? Are they, got, are they they're going to jail because they're black or because they're committing violent crime? I mean, you would have to commit one hell of a crime to go to prison anymore. Yeah, well, to get really serious time, what they need to do, we need to remember this. They were saying that we had too many white policemen and that they were bringing their cultural biases into the uh, policing uh, activities of the Memphis Police Department. So we hired a black woman to be the police chief, and we started reducing the um, standards for hiring policemen so we got more and more black what was the result of that the result of it was tyree nichols you had five black policemen that beat to death a black uh, uh perp or a suspect in any way and then what happens we uh we have 
a whole world, uh, the whole nation came down about police brutality. What? But then when it turned out to be all blacks, they said, well, policing by its very nature, regardless of who the police <laughs> are, uh, is racist. Yeah, See, it's why it's, it's it's systemic racism. It's, uh, you know, white supremacist. If you're a black person and want to be turned into a uh, pro-white racist, what you do is become a police. Well, officer. guess what? It's you know, and and they they had to lower the standards so much. I mean, the first thing they did was they wouldn't let you be a Memphis police officer unless you lived in the city of Memphis itself. Which they wanted not many. The, you're the, like the last white person there, I know. But a lot of white people from the county were still allowed to come and be on the city force, even if they lived in in one of the suburbs. And, of course, and, and, and then when that wasn't enough, Keith, they practically lowered the standard because they still weren't passing police academy. They basically just did away with any standard. Just they, if they walked in, they got a badge. Well, like those guys in the Tyree Nickel case, some of those guys had criminal records. <laughs> and <Yeah>. now you, <laughs> and I mean some pretty serious ones. And now you got the police chief S saying, if you had the army here, you couldn't stop them anymore. Well, what we need to do basically is just clean house. And the best way to do that is to revoke the corporate charter of the city of Memphis, let Nashville run it. Let Nashville get people that are effective uh, in charge of policing, in charge of sanitation, in charge of... Uh, you're talking about the state legislature, which is still decent yeah. here. In Tennessee. You're not talking about the city of Nashville, which is pretty woke now, too. No, they no what, what I'm talking about, yeah. And there's, there's a movement, I understand, uh, in the Tennessee legislature right now to basically validate and uh, enshrine in law the doctrine of nullification. All right, we're going to spend a couple of more minutes on this on the flip side of this break, and then we got some other stories. I'll tell you what, there's one cop who is one tough you-know-what, and I'll tell you about that when we come back. My God, wait till you hear it. Stay tuned. Pursuing Liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. The ceasefire in the Middle East has concluded reigniting the conflict between Israel and Hamas after a seven-day pause that facilitated the release of some hostages held by Hamas. Initially, over 240 people were held hostage, with more than 136 still in captivity. The IDF reports that six hostages have been killed, but their bodies have not been released. Oscar-winning actress Susan Sarandon apologizing for her anti-Semitic rant at a pro-Palestinian rally in New York City after her Hollywood talent agency he dropped her. Sarandon saying her remarks were a terrible mistake. Back on November 17th, she tells the crowd in Union Square that Jews are getting a taste of what it is like to be Muslim in this country, so often subjected to violence. But on Instagram, Sarandon now writing, this phrasing was a terrible mistake, as it implies that until recently, Jews have been strangers to persecution when the opposite is true. That's Laura Winters reporting. Senator John Fetterman, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, asserted on ABC's The View that Democratic New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez should be expelled from the U.S. Senate. Fetterman drew parallels to the recent expulsion of Representative George Santos from the House of Representatives. Santos's kind of lies were almost, you know, funny. And, like, you know, he, you know, landed on the moon and that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas... <laughs> Whereas, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, Menendez, I think, is really a senator for Egypt, you know, not New Jersey. Fetterman says Menendez, who faces federal charges relating to a bribery scheme, should face similar consequences if Santos deserved expulsion from Congress. On Thursday, the Philadelphia City Council approved a bill prohibiting the use of ski masks 
in parks, schools, public transit, or other city-owned buildings. Advocates argue that this measure will aid law enforcement in solving crimes, but civil rights advocates fear it could unfairly criminalize people of color. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the burger perfection flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. Have a man, 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 have a man, man, Merry Christmas. Have a man, 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 have a man, man, Merry Christmas. Have a man, 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 have a man, man, Merry Christmas. Have a man, 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 have a man, man, Merry Christmas. It's a merry, merry Christmas. The Christmas lights are bright. I'm gonna spend this Christmas with my lady tonight. We'll have a little eggnog and a Christmas candy cane. And Christmas kiss my baby again and again. Have a man, 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 have a man, man. Well, music certainly peaked during the doo-wop era. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't look to Beethoven or Bach. It was, it was the Edsels. Well you, <laughs> well, you know, there was a wonderful, a wonderful adaptation from uh, a Bach's uh, A Lover's Concerto by the Toys. Right. And that was like uh, the, the apex of the girl group of, of the early, early 60s and uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, well, we wish you a Merry Christmas if you can survive long enough to get there. And when you can't take any of that for granted, Martin Luther King's uh, Diversity Wonderland, uh, talking about Memphis, Tennessee. Well, and anywhere where you have uh, the blessings of diversity. I mean, you know, look, best case scenario, you go downtown, you get aggressively accosted by, by panhandlers. That, that's, that's, the, that's the best and the least you can uh, hope for. Uh, well, but we you had, could... that, had this recent case about. Yeah, let's Russian... talk about. I wanted to, yes, Keith, I want you to break that down because uh, on the other end, and it's entirely within the very real realm of possibility that you don't survive uh, your encounter with the enrichments of diversity. And this was just a tragic story. It, it just it made no news, very little local news. And uh, we'll break it down, Keith. What happened was a Russian doctor and his family were hired. These, these are very young medical researchers, and I, it was a, a husband and a, and a wife. And a child. And uh, they were in their child. 20s. They were in their late 20s, and the child was, I think, what, two or three years old. Go, go on, Keith. I'm sorry for the interruption. Well, well, what happened was these people had been hired on by St. Jude's uh, Research Hospital, the same group that sponsors the Memphis Marathon, which happened today, by the way. Uh, to work at the St. Jude facility, which is the top uh, worldwide cancer research. Now, you wouldn't expect uh, a place company. like Memphis to have something like that, but it was a different time when it got built. To give them the background on why it's even here. Well, a guy named Danny Thomas, who had a uh, was a pretty famous Lebanese extraction 
uh, actor. He had Make Room for Daddy and the Danny Thomas show back in the 50s. Uh, he was down and out in his luck, and he Nick prayed to God and, said, and to St. Jude, the, um, the patron saint of lost causes, and said that if you will make me a success in show business, I will devote myself to uh, founding a charity uh, to honor St. Jude and hopeless causes and whatnot. So he became a success. He followed through. There's a group called ALSAC, American Lebanese Syrian uh, uh, American Charities. Uh, they founded St. Jude, and it is now the top research center in the world for childhood cancer. Now, you would think something like that would be in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. Why did he plant it in Memphis? Because he made his prayer in Memphis ah, about interesting. this when he was going through Memphis. But anyway, that's what he did. And because of that, now you get these world-class and worldwide experts in their field because this is the preeminent childhood cancer treatment and research facility and so that's why these this well, young well, russian family was in of all places memphis and keep going well memphis has no shortage of sick people so uh you know that's why that we have a very big medical industry here in memphis he comes over here and he thinks that you're talking America, about this young russian family yeah, the, the the young doctor and his family think that you know this is like the rest of the world. If you have a public park, the public is supposed to be allowed to use it and walk in it free from molestation. Well, instead, they get jacked up by some black criminal, and uh, he was cooperating and everything. And then he pointed the gun at his wife, the young doctor's wife. He's also a, a medical, medical researcher. A medical researcher of some type. He jumps in front. The guy drills him and kills him. In okay. front of his wife, this very young, beautiful, this is a beautiful family, in front of his young wife and their toddler-aged yeah. yeah. child. See, that, so much for the idea that you can actually access a public park in Memphis and walk around and use the facility. You can't do it. They come from Russia. Crime, crime is out of control in Memphis. Brilliant, beautiful family comes to Memphis, this godforsaken place now, and to work at St. Jude, and this is what they get. He gets See, killed, and he gets killed, and he's gone. No lamentations from the media. You barely heard about it. No, they don't. They and this just happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they bury this story. But see, this is what happens. This is what happens when you let black people take over your city, and particularly your city government. And That's you got why we've got to, if you're going to make, if you're going to reclaim Memphis for the first world, what you're going to have to do is get new governance in here that means business about controlling black criminality and let's you know let's be honest and candid about it it's black criminality white people aren't committing and see and this murders. is it be every local state and national I, I hesitate to call them a leader but elected official anyway elected office holder they, they, they can't even say it. you know we can't figure out why crime is so bad in Memphis well I mean, but this is just a tragic, uh, puts a personal face on it. You know, uh, if you watch the news in Memphis, local news, it's one crime after another, one uh, reckless driving, car wreck, death after another. If it bleeds, and it they, leads. Yeah. It, every local uh, news affiliate here, ABC, CBS, N, you know, NBC, every night on the local news, the, the first 10 minutes is just violent crime, and they show the people's faces. Are people, like, not seeing what and, this and, is? And all the newscasters, for the most part, are black. And what do they do after they show you that cavalcade of criminality? <laughs> they say, well, here is Miss Lulabelle or something, and she's got a soup kitchen, or she's got, <laughs> a, you know, something like this that is going to uh, solve the problems of the black community in Memphis. And, of course, 
It's absurd. You know, all of this lacrimose hand-wringing is not going to do a bit of good. you got to get tough with crime. And getting tough with crime would mean getting tough with black people, (laughs) and they do not want to do that under any circumstances. Well, this leads me to the other thing I was going to tell you about the toughest police officer I probably have ever heard about, not just for what he's been through politically, uh, but for what he suffered this week. You try to get tough on crime? Derek Chauvin, that's what happens when you get tough on crime. God forbid any of these drug-addled career criminals uh, take a hike on your watch because, you know, he's gone to jail for the rest of his life. He got stabbed 22 times in prison this week. 22 times. and He's, he's getting the death penalty by being uh, prosecuted. He did nothing and wrong. Well, and the thing is, you said getting tough on crime. The irony is he was not tough on crime. All that... The idea that he had... Well, uh, he was at least his, trying to rest, you know, restrain a guy. Well, what he did was he had his leg near the guy's neck, but he was not pressing down on the neck. They have uh, shots from different angles than the ones you and saw let me tell you something, the national nobody, news media, seen. and it does not show him doing that. But what he did was he dared to arrest a black criminal... Who didn't want to be arrested. Who didn't want to be arrested. If, if they don't want to be arrested, you're supposed to let them go. Well, and here's the thing, too, about that, Keith... <laughs> It's the thing, too, about that. I get pulled over once or twice a year for speeding. I've never had a cop pull me out of the car and put their, their knee on my neck because I listen to their instructions. I do what I'm told when I get when I'm in. The, if, if I guarantee you, back. I guarantee you. Well, this one I got pulled over. I got to tell you this. I got pulled over last month. I, we need to talk in the break. I need you to go to court with me. <laughs> I think I saw that up on you. Your saw refrigerator. My <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. It was right before Halloween, I get pulled over, and this sorority-looking girl cop gets out. I'm like, I, I, my father-in-law was in the car. I don't know if I've told the story in there yet. I said, I, I said, Lance, I said, are you looking at this? I said, is this for real? I mean, this female cop is like, I'm not going to you know, give you a number, but, I mean, she looked good. And she was, uh-huh. I, th- I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like some TV show or something. I said, <laughs> She looked like she was uh, straight out of sorority rush. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like one of these Alabama sorority girls. Well, anyway, so I got my th- – that, that was the best ticket I ever got. But, I, you know, but, but here's the thing. I mean, these little speed trap towns, uh, so we're going to fight that one. I th- uh, I think a lot, a lot of these little sp- towns use – policing as a way to finance that's exactly right they probably have a contest whoever can write the most tickets i think i was going like the 66 and a a, a, you know well look your town unfortunately is famous for that there are a lot of suburbs of memphis that are famous for that bartlett where you used to live is very famous for that. hold hold on one second one second the the uh but the thing is that in all my encounters with cops and i have i I get a speeding ticket about once a year um i got a lead foot but you listen to the cops. I guarantee you, George Floyd, Chauvin didn't just grab Floyd and start pounding him to the pavement. There was something that he did where the protocol was okay, we got to put this guy in. Well, what happened under control. is it happened in liberal, beyond all belief, Minnesota, where they have like maybe one black person for every 100 uh, uh, other people in the state, and they buy into every liberal canard and conundrum uh, that they have about uh, how black people have been mistreated and how they're just victims. They really aren't bad people. It's just racism that makes them seem to be. Well, they get a bunch of people like that, and what they do is they put this poor guy in uh, uh, to court with all this national media around there, and it was 
they basically had people on the jury say they were afraid that if they didn't return a guilty verdict, their house would be torched or something. All right. Well, Derek Chauvin, Godspeed to you. And uh, I'm surprised if you sta- survived 22 stabbings. I mean, he could still die from infection. A friend of mine reminded me of that today. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. The parrot made Snoopy fly to the Rhine and forced him to land behind the enemy lines. Snoopy was certain that this was the end when the parrot cried out, Merry Christmas, my friend! Well, you know, we uh, introduced TPC's Christmas uh, fundraising drive gift incentive package last week when Harry Cooper was on. I got to tell you, I've known Harry 20 years. I can't get enough of that guy. There is nobody else in America. Neither can our audience. Everybody loves him. I don't know. He's the one guest that has no detractors. Uh, I Yeah. I mean, certainly one of them anyway. But he is uh, fantastic. He's in his 80s. He's still going over to Germany every year taking people on these tours. He was just there a couple of months ago. Anytime he's on, it's just a riveting and engrossing conversation. But uh, we've got a couple of more topics we want to cover uh, this hour before we get to our featured guest this evening. who will be coming up in the second hour. But I want to remind you that our uh, fourth quarter fundraising drive officially and we previewed it last week. It officially kicked off yesterday, December the 1st, and we're asking you to please give, and we are offering you an exceedingly rare opportunity to obtain one of the most incentive gifts you'll ever receive, and we mentioned this last week. Uh, Those who donate at the appropriate level are going to get the book When Eagles Soar. Now, this is a book that was uh, compiled and edited by Harry Cooper, 
It contains the first-person memories of the Luftwaffe pilots of World War II. It includes technical insights into the planes and the weapons that they carried, mostly Luftwaffe, but also some British and some American flyboys as well. These are their memories. These are their words. It was written by the men who were there. That is the purpose of Harry Cooper's organization, to bring former enemies together as friends. And he's done more uh, of that kind of work than anybody in the world. I think that he would be best suited for the world by being hired by the United States State Department because he does a better job of healing wounds and allowing people to... Uh, uh, see their common humanity than anyone else uh, I can think of at the time. And he's he's basically an ambassador of goodwill uh, for America. And He really, I think that's an excellent way to put it. He's like Snoopy the Red Baron. Uh, but but that's it. It's uh, to, to bring these people together without propaganda. Okay, without propaganda. That's the thing. And uh, so he's it's got... It's amazing the- how similar these guys are on either side and how much they share in common and they understand it and he's doing the Lord's work, people. He really is. He is. And this book, uh, When Eagles Soared, now last Christmas, year ago now, last Christmas, we offered the book of, that was written by the men who were in the uh, U-boats. Uh, and this is the, a similar book. Very similar, except it's the Luftwaffe pilots. And he knew them all. <laughs> he got to know all of these guys. And... Um, so they were collected, put into this compilation, which we're offering you uh, in return for your much-needed support of TPC. you got to remember, folks, hey, we don't have any bequests propping us up, no foundational grants or anything like that. It is uh, quarter to quarter for 20 years. And we try to give you thoughtful gifts as our way of saying thank you. But I think this, I mean, if you're an enthusiast of world military history, what could be better than receiving something like this and helping TPC at the same time? Because you're not just getting the book. If you're a premium level donor, you're going to receive a hand-signed photo from one of the Luftwaffe pilots of World War II. And they're all in heaven now. So obviously, when Harry got these, and he explained last week, and of course I knew how he got them, but you know he got them because he knew these people years ago. It's like Henry Kissinger; he's a hundred years old, born in nineteen twenty-three. Most of these guys were born in nineteen twenty-three or earlier, so there are very few that are less than a hundred years old. So consequently, there are not a lot of survivors now. But Harry, during his lifetime basically got people together since the 1980s when he started this and broke bread with people and uh, had the meat together and uh, share stories and a lot of enduring friendships have uh, resulted as uh, a consequence of harry's work in this and uh, over the course of these years you know he printed out these photos he would get them to send the the photos their war photos you know all these soldiers you know you get a military picture taken and he would have these warriors send him the picture. He would make the copies, you know, hundreds of copies, and then get them to sign them. And then you, you still got you know, a remainder of those after, uh, even after all of these years. And so these, these guys are gone. They're not coming back. You'll never be able to find something like this again. And I just think it's an extremely unique gift. This is a great, great job that Harry did for humanity, getting the stories of these people down in writing so that people can look at them not getting propaganda by court historians of one side or another, but the actual participants, the guys that were in harm's way in World War II and having those people tell what they saw, what they did, and getting them to understand that their 
enemies were really not their enemies. Exactly. And these guys, by the way, these hand-signed photos from the Luftwaffe pilots that we're offering, you're going to get a letter in the mail. We sent out about half of the letters last week. If you haven't gotten your letter yet, don't worry. We're going to send out the, uh, the other half uh, on Monday. Uh, so by next week's show, everybody will have received our full uh, Christmas newsletter. That's going to give you all the details uh, in black and white right in front of you. But uh, these guys weren't, oh, I got in an airplane in uh, Not like February. Linda Johnson. Uh. <laughs> well, it wasn't like, oh, I, I was in the cockpit in you know, March of 1945. I, I was a little away in, a, in an airplane uh, uh, well, <laughs> like Lyndon Johnson Even, uh, and didn't do anything <laughs> except uh, fly in it. And as a result, he got the Silver Star. Yeah, right. It's not like that. Well, even if they had gotten in a plane in March of 45, uh, that would have still counted. Uh, we're talking about guys. Uh, we got guys. Hanson Photos guys did over a hundred bombing runs. A hundred bombing runs. Stuka pilots. Top top German aces, for example. The guy that is ace of all aces for all time was a German Luftwaffe pilot. He is one of Harry's uh, confidants. Well, these are well or was, but uh, people like people of that caliber. So anyway. Check out the letter that you'll get in the mail if you're already an established donor to TPC. A fantastic uh, gift package, the book, the, the, the signed photo. You're, you're not going to be able to get it anywhere else. And remember that when you support us, you're keeping us on the air. You're getting a great gift, uh, our gift to you, our meager way of saying thank you. Uh, but you're supporting the other branches of our tree as well. You're not just keeping us on the air, although that's the primary purpose, uh, but you're helping uh, us continue my newspaper column, speaking and in interview appearances, uh, special projects like the Honorable Cause, the book, uh, that what came out earlier this year, and um, you know, again, as I said in my last letter to you, uh, I hope you'll consider it a small sacrifice to contribute to the program. Uh, we are uh, time tested and battle proven. I think you could say after all these years, and uh, Ed, we are dedicated to the proposition that the 21st century will not be our winter, but our springtime. So check out that letter in the mail, and let's get back to the news now, Keith. Yeah, you mentioned Henry Kissinger. Only the good die young, right? I saw something that was funny. I don't like it because the he had a long life. The death all uh, the uh, the left always mocks us when one of our people die. I remember Gordon Baum passed away. God bless him. Uh, there was an article up on one of these left-wing sites, Rest in Piss. You know, they all celebrate when one of us die. I, I like to be better than that. But I did see something funny. It was a meme. It was the Grim Reaper playing one of these uh, little games you see at the arcade where you have the grab claw and they go down. Well, you had people at the bottom of the of the game in this in this meme and the Grim, uh, Grim Reaper. <laughs> the Grim Reaper's smiling and he's excited. He goes, finally, Kissinger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. Uh, I died at 93 this week. So again, only the good die young. Couple of, I don't, you know, I don't want to say it. I don't want to believe it. Uh, hopefully, there was a last minute deathbed conversion, but uh, the hell probably got a couple of more souls this week. Well, Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, most remembered comment was that after another 25 years, this was back in the late 90s. Uh, there would no longer be a need for affirmative action. Boy, was she ever <laughs> off the mark on that. That will, I mean. It's like Ronald Reagan said, nothing has the shelf life of a government program or policy like affirmative action. Well, I tell you what. The, the thing is, we'll never be rid of affirmative action until we just come out and say it's racial discrimination against white people. The 64 Civil Rights Act prohibited racial discrimination in hiring, admissions, etc. And consequently, it's against the law. And we really, if you want to talk about reparations, you should be talking about reparations for all the white people who missed out on 
let's say, admission to Harvard Law School or something like that. Or Vanderbilt. Or Vanderbilt or whatever. (laughs) You know, because of what happened in affirmative action. You've got all these underqualified black people leapfrogging other more qualified white people for positions of authority and power, and no one wants to talk about that group of victims ever, okay? And that's what we need to do. We need to take the offensive on it because – this has been a, uh, you know, this was not a lost weekend. This was an entire lifetime of opportunities and upward mobility that was sabotaged by a bunch of unelected, nameless bureaucrats, primarily Alfred Bloomrosen of the EEOC, that instituted affirmative action and basically turned society upside down. And that's why, for example, we're talking about how badly run Memphis is how badly run courts are, things like this. It's because of affirmative action and other governmental policies like that that are directly contrary not only to the Constitution but to statutory law like the like the 64 Civil Rights Act. You know, we were talking about Sandra Day O'Connor a second ago. Uh, who, who's worse, her or Nikki Haley? I'm telling you, I can't pull up a web browser now without being bombarded with how great Nikki Haley is. I mean, the, the, the system is the worst thing. The, in the system world. is really trying to prop her up. I mean, they're doing they're everything they put can her in there. And, but I tell you what, she's the one Republican right at the top of the list of people I would not vote for under any circumstances. She told the people of South Carolina, she was for Confederate heritage and she would protect them. Once she got in, she turned 180 degrees and became the primary persecutor of Southern heritage. She's the one that took the Confederate flag down from the state capitol. She started all of this uh, monument desecration and taking down that has happened since then. And she will do whatever she thinks will uh, propel her star a little bit higher in the uh, horizon. And we cannot have people like that in uh, the presidency. First of all, her name isn't Nikki. It's Nimrata, okay? (laughs) And I don't think that any person uh, that is not at least, you know, three generations of, uh, in America, their relatives, should even be considered to be There's nothing there. I mean, why would you want a liberal woman to be the Republican standard. I mean, I know why the system wants her, but I mean, how do they think they're going to get, I I get it constantly. They think that the white people of America represented by the Republican Party will support somebody like this for president. We need to send them a message, folks. No more Nimrodas. If they really, if the media really wanted to help her, they would come out against her because anybody the media is for, the white voting Republican base knows to be instinctively against Uh, But the media still hasn't got it. uh, At least half of the country is entirely tuned out. This is what we get from the Republican Party again, a presidential candidate named Nimrod. Look what it would have been without Trump. I mean, Trump has a lot of negatives to him. He's a mixed bag at, at least. But look at the field beyond that. We'll be right back.